Uh, without further ado, I'm going to invite our speaker. He is no stranger to this house. He's the son of this house. Um, so please help me welcome Reverend Pastor Bishop Apostle Perry Tima. All this name means nothing. The most important name is the name of Jesus. I'm glad to be in God's house, and thank you for the kind introduction, Pope David. Um, the only Baptist Pope I ever know, it's Pope David. Um, it's good to be here this morning, and I want to give honor to, to the shepherd of this house, uh, my father in the faith, Pastor Clairvaux, and Pastor LaRose, and Pastor Mito, and to the Pope, and to all of you, my brothers and sisters, it's good to be with you this morning one more time. Um, and those days, to be able to worship God, to be able to speak for God, is not something you should take for granted. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, would you please turn your Bible to the Gospel of John, the Gospel according to St. John, um, your device, click on it, your Bible app that's been on sleeping, for, sleeping mode since last Sunday, come back to it, amen. <laughs> amen. John chapter 17 um, since we are already pressing for time, we're going to read verse 20 to 23. But um, keep your Bible open because the first, the last six verses of the Bible, um, verse 20 to 26 will be the pericope for our sermon this afternoon. If you found it, say amen. I think my mother's watching, so I'm going to have to speak some Creole. Um, amen. So... Hear now the word of God. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. I hope you're getting the drift by now. So that the world may know that you have sent me and loved me even as you loved them. Father, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be where I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of God for the people of God. Would you bow and join me in prayer? Father, we know there is no preaching without praying. There is no preaching without your Holy Spirit. 
So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Mold me and shape me so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, will be acceptable unto your sight. Oh Lord, my rock, my savior, my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give a simple title to the sermon this, uh, this afternoon. A call to unity. A call to unity. A creole on appel à unité. Appel à unité. A call to unity. There's a hymn that we know and we sing, but at times we don't pay much attention to it, um, called Bind Us Together. Now, I can't sing, and my wife's probably watching. She said, Perry, please don't sing, but I'm probably going to try to sing anyways. It says, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, bind us together with love. I am what you call a hymnologist. What, it, what that means is that I love to study the hymns because I love the theology of the hymns. And what I typically do is that I look up for the story behind the songs. It's important that a lot of times you sing a lot of songs, you don't know what the story is. So I, lo I love to know who wrote the song, why, and how. It's the same thing I'll tell my son who's in fifth grade when he's doing a paper. I said, son, if I ask you to write me a paper, give me who, what, where, when, and how. If you give me this, we'll be fine. PJ, I know you're watching. You still owe me a paper. Uh, somebody, get the, somebody get the drift. So the person who wrote the song is a gentleman by the name of Robert Gilman. He's from, he's from England, it's London. So in the 1960s and 70s, there was a Pentecostal movement that was sweeping through England, to, the, to Great Britain. Now, traditional church where you would not be able, where, where you were not possessed by the uh, uh, gifts or manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit was not present to you, it was hard for you to minister to people that had the gift that had, you know, that had been manifested by the gift of the Spirit. So with that being said, that created a division within the church. So Gillam said this, uh, um, the story behind the song, and he said this, I was in my 20s and I'd been written songs since I'd become a Christian at the age of 13. It says, one evening in 1974, he was at uh, um, a couple, Ken and Maureen's house, and he says, we're in a small group praying together. And he said that he felt such an emotional feeling came over him, and he felt a real need to do something concerning the unity of God's people. And he said it was then that the words of bind us together dropped into his spirit. And he said that they were immediately followed with the chords that cannot be, um, with the words, with the chords that cannot be broken. And, and, and then binds us together with love. Also a tune popped straight into my head, he said. And I stood up and I sang it out to share it with everybody that was around. Afterward, he said this, Ken said, Bob, I think there's more to come. And Ken, uh, uh, um, Bob, uh, Bob, um, Robert Gilman, Bob Gilman said, you were right. It seemed that the Lord wasn't going to, uh, um, wasn't going to do everything for me. It took me a few weeks of meditation before the next two verses came to me as well. And he said this, around this time, 
He was involved in what they call multi-church Christian musical in England. It says he was touring with them around the London area. And it said after one performance, when the choir was sitting around relaxing, it said, I sung Bind Us Together. It says to his amazement, they all, all the choir members join in. It says it took, it, 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 it kind of took off after that. And, and, and therefore, um, passed from one person to another and from one church to another. And it says, even to his surprise, it says he received in, sub in subsequent years uh, um, from those traveling overseas, bringing back news that his song was being sung around the world. He explains this. He says this, although I am listed as the composer, I don't really see it. As my song, I was just the mouthpiece of God, and for that, I am truly grateful and blessed. That's the story behind the song that binds us together. But there's more. There's the theology of the song. And it says this, the succinct text is, is undergird by many scriptural passages, perhaps, most notably, is Jesus' prayer for unity, which is our text for this afternoon. And, and, and right there in John 12, 17, 22 and 23 says this, I have given them the glory that you've given me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and you have loved. I have loved them as you have loved me. Now, there are many other passages, and if you go in Ephesians chapter 4, verse um, 1 through 6, there, there's more to it. But, but see, the, the one thing that Gilman said, it said this, the second and third stanza of the song usually do not appear in our hymnals in America. But it says this, the composer notes that others have occasionally added stanza of their own. It says the first stanza available in all sources paraphrase the, the, the final verse of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6. One God, one king, one body. Say it with me. One God, one king, one body. I'm, I'm so, I feel like preaching right about now. There's one God, there's one body, there's one king. In other words, it's not one president, it's not one political party, it's not whether you left or right, but it's one God, one king, one body. I wish I had a witness this morning. One God, one king, one body. And he goes on to say this, the last, the last verse of the scripture passage reminds us that through our baptism, we are all children of God, siblings in faith, sharing one parent, singular, one parent, and which is one God. That is why we sing, because we have one parent. And if there is a day that we need unity, if there's a day we need to be reminded of this unity, it's today. If there's a season, if there's, if there's what we call in French an epoch or epoch, as they would say in English, if there's a time, if there's a century, if there's a year, it's the year of our Lord of 2020. We need to be reminded of this. And the message of this song that expressed that articulate theology of congressional song 
as a way of expressing and encouraging Christian unity, it's a message that's never out of date. I said it before, I will say it again. If there is a time we need a message, it is now. Now, here's the thing. Can I, can, can I, can I teach the Bible real quick? See, we think that the Lord's Prayer is Jesus praying. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus giving a model on how to pray. But if you want to see what Jesus is praying, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 17. The entire passage is the Lord Jesus praying. Now, can I, can I break it down to you real quick? The first five verses, it's what they call Jesus' high, um, high priestly prayer. Shortly before Jesus went to the cross, right? In the first five verses, Jesus prayed for himself. Check this out. He pray, he affirms the glory of the cross. He expresses the very essence of eternal life in verse three and four. And then in verse five, he rejoices in the shared glory of the Father. Now that, that this is not it. This is that just, this is just Jesus beginning. He prayed for himself. So in other words, Jesus prayed for himself. Ain't no more before you pray for yourself. But he didn't stop there. Guess what? In verses 6 through 19, Jesus prayed for his disciples. These were the people that was with him, the 12 that was with him at the time. Let, let me break it down for you. Guess what? In verse 6 through 9, he prayed for their knowledge. In verses 10 to 12, he prayed for their perseverance. In verses 13, he prayed for their joy. In verses 14 to 17, he prayed for their sanctification. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Me as a pastor, David as your leader, and the pastors, they pray for the church member. And if there's a time that we need to pray for them, we need to pray for them right now. And Jesus is praying for the disciples. He's praying for their unity as well. Now, now, come to our text for this afternoon. And in verse 20, Jesus now is praying for, for us, for the people that would be considered as future believers. Not at the time that he was, but people that would be believing uh, um, through, the, through the words of the disciples, through the word of Christ, like people like you and I. Last time I checked, we were not born Christian. I don't know about you, but I know I wasn't. So then Jesus prayed for us. Now, can I, can I, can I parenthetically ask a question right there? If Jesus prayed for a subject matter, a very specific theme or subject matter, don't you think that's of, that, that, that's of importance? Why would Jesus waste his time pray for unity if he did not sense that the church would be prone to be divided? I mean, I don't need to go far. Look at the American church. Look at the evangelicals in America. Look at Christian in America. Let, let me break it home. Look at Christian at Redemption. We are the Democrats, we are Republicans, and we can even talk to each other. Here's the funny thing. Nowhere here, I said, Jesus, pray for your political party. Nowhere here, I said, Jesus, pray. Jesus, only pray for us, and there are reasons as to why he prayed for us. Now, Christian unity, Christian unity, I I'm one of those guys who like definition. What is Christian unity? There's some, there's some words I think we just kind of pop out there, right? And then we don't necessarily give definition of what they mean. What does that mean, Christian unity? Can I tell you what it doesn't mean? See, 
unity can be both negative and positive. Right? Two people or three people or group of people, let's take, let's take a story of Christianity in America, especially in the South. In the, in the 60s, 50s, and so on and so forth, Christian and churches voted that black people could not be there. And they were in unity. That was bad unity. I mean, black people were three-fifths of a person. Black people could not worship where white people worship. They were in unity. Just because you were in unity doesn't mean that you are right. Because not every unity is Christian unity. And that's, that, that, that's something for us to think politically, socially, culturally, to think about. Just because we are in agreement doesn't mean we are right. So, what is Christian unity? Christian unity is that unique grace of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what they define it as. The unique grace of the Holy Spirit which allows believers from all ethnicity, nationalities, personalities, background, to be of one heart, mind, and spirit, and our love for Jesus Christ and our commitment to the gospel. When believers live in unity, it reveals the life-changing power of the gospel to a watching world. Understand this, we are... Ooh, I'm jumping a gun, but I have to say this. Do not confuse uniformity for unity. Uniformity is that we are all think the same way, act the same way, be of the same way. Could you imagine if there are like, what, how many people in America? 300 plus a million people? Could you imagine if there are 300 plus million Perrys? It wouldn't work. Number one, I wouldn't get a wife because it would be just me. Right? It would be just people who think like me, and, and if my wife thinks exactly as I think, we wouldn't be together. So, uniformity is that we are, we, we want everyone to be the same. To think the same, to behave the same. No, see, God loves diversity. God loves diversity. God doesn't call us to be uni in uniformity. God calls us to be in unity. And the unity is, is rooted in one Father, one body, one hope, one love, one baptism. I'm so glad that I don't have to be united around a political candidate. I'm so glad that I don't have to be united around cultural norms. I'm so glad that I don't have to be united around intellectual uh, um, capacity. I'm so glad that I don't have to be united around uh, uh, um, portfolios. That's why in the church, you have people that are intellect, intellectuals. You have people that are, you know, uh, uh, um, blue collar workers. You have people that are wealthy. You have people that are not wealthy. And then we all can come together around Christ because he is what binding us together. He is what binds us together. A creole, glue qui kembe nouan. C'est pas l'argent. C'est pas intellectualité. 
c'est pas pouvoir, c'est pas pour politique, c'est Jésus-Christ à travers cet esprit qui met nous ensemble. I wish I had a witness this morning. Now, understanding this, there's a couple more questions I, I want to answer from, from this, and then we'll, I'll take my seat. So then, what is the basis for true Christian unity? And John 17 to the 5, Jesus answered, the person, the work, and the glory of Christ is the basis for our unity. Can I say this again? It's the person of Jesus Christ, the work that he has done on the cross, and his glory, that's what, that's what, that's what undergird. That's the foundation. That's the basis. That's the purpose of our unity. Understand this. It's not the Republican president. It's not the Democratic president. It's not the Republican governor. It's not the Democratic governor. It's not the mayor. It's, no. It's the work of Christ. Last time I checked, there's only one person who died on Friday. Ooh, I wish I was in a black American church right now. Who died on Friday. And early Sunday morning, he rose. That's the only one we can unite around. Not around left, right. I think it's, I think it's very, very offensive to say somebody's Christian right or Christian left. Because God's arms extend to everyone. The picture of the cross is not a picture of left or right. It's a picture that says, come to me. If you run to Jesus, if you run to Jesus, it don't matter who you voted for. If you run to Jesus, you will be saved. If you run to Jesus, it don't matter what you are going through, Jesus can deliver you. So we need to be united. We need to be united around that. And, and let me say this. Let me say this for us Haitians. Can I speak this? Our emblem says strength and unity. I mean, we are Haitian Americans, so we have to know our story. L'union fait la force. L'union fait la force. Unity gives strength. If we ever live upon the, 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 our standard, our, our, our emblem, if we ever live upon that, we would be the country that God has called us to be. Unfortunately, we are no different than these yet-to-be United States of America. Because somebody got elected today, and two years' time you want to overthrow them. Haiti, I, I was saying this to somebody, I don't think, I don't think we've had 10 transfer of government in Haiti in over 200 years. I could be wrong. Fayabner does the, he does the Haitian history, you can, you can prove that with Clevins on Monday night. But I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think, at least well, in my lifetime, there have not been 10 legitimate transfer of power that's done from one government to another. Again, what is our emblem? L'union fait la force. I mean, in Haiti, in Haiti, if you light skin, you're in a category. If you dark skin, you're in a different category. If you can read, you're in a category. If you cannot read, I mean, we are nowhere near unity because we go in classism. Can I say also, we call 
United States of America. That's our homeland now, ain't it? Are we really united? Around what are we united? The funny thing is, the church, the church which ought to lead in unity is as divided as the secular part of this country. Can I get to my text and I prove it to you and I'll tell you this, why the church needs to live in unity? Because we are called to display God's unity. Then why is Christian unity so important? I feel like preaching now. Jesus answered, uh, um, Jesus prayed for unity for his, his followers, right? In verse 11, he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you've, you, 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 you gave me, so that they may be one just as we are one. Understand this, right? Jesus is spoken. We talk about this. Jesus is spoken, right? The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, right? So Jesus says we are one. Just like Jesus and the Father are one. If you want to talk about the deity of Christ, there's an example for you right there. Jesus says we are one. So later on, Jesus prayed, and Jesus asked that all of them may be one. Just as you, just as maybe one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. Verse 21 to 23. Obviously, Christian unity is important to Jesus Christ. Jesus not only prayed for unity, but he gave the reason why unity is important. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one. When Christians are united in Christ, the world see three things. Number one. They see that Jesus was sent by the Father. I'm not that deep. I'm going to keep it simple. It's in the text. He says this, if they are unified, I'm paraphrasing here, then you, they, then the, the, the world that does not know me will believe that you have sent me. In other words, can I, can I, can I put it to you this way? When we are united, it's a testimony of the fact that Christ was sent by the Father. This is not deep theology, but this is very profound what Jesus is saying here. Jesus Christ says this. He says, if you, if we, you and I, regardless of our financial status, regardless of our educational status, regardless of our social status, regardless of our political status, if we are united, if we are one as a church, the world that does not know Christ will believe that Jesus was sent by the Father. I, I can't, I can't, let, let me say it again. If you and me, regardless of how we think, regardless of how we see things, regardless of, of how you think politically, how you think socially, culturally, if we are one, and I've already, I've already given you the basis for unity, if we are one, that means the people on Third Avenue who do not know Jesus because we are one, they will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. Now, can I bring it home to you? In our group chats, in our social media discussions, especially the ones that are visible for people to see, the way that we speak about each other, the way that we talk of each other, about each other, can this unsafe world see that Jesus was sent by the Father? This is no guilt trip. 
I'm as guilty as this as you are. Can the world and your post about this election, can the world and your post about what's going on, can they see unity? I mean, it's so funny because right now, people are making a mockery of Christianity. And part of it, and the main reason is because that we are as divided as we've ever been. As a matter of fact, it looks like the world tends to find a way to be united quicker than we. I mean, could you imagine? Christian right won't pray for Christian left. Christian left won't pray for Christian right. I mean, it, 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 it is that, that, that we are that divided. No wonder the world does not claim Jesus Christ to be who we said he is. Because on our example, it's not happening. It is not happening. Jesus has assured us that some will believe because of our witness. We must make sure that our witness is true and loving. Some Christian are, are what they call prosecuting attorneys and judges instead of faithful witnesses. And this only turns lost sinners away from the Savior. Some of us, we know how to bring indictment, how to bring judgment, how to bring accusations upon each other rather than being faithful witness. Understand this, people will know Jesus was sent by the Father due to our unity. That's number one. Number two, his glory will be relevant through our unity. When we are united, Christ's glory will be relevant. Now, glory is one of these words that I think we use in church. Then if you ask somebody, what is glory? They don't know. If people said, oh, glory, glory. As a matter of fact, they said, glory, glory, glory. You know, you know I mean, I'm not making fun of people. But if you ask people, what is God's glory? They don't know. They don't really know. And, and I, I did some homework. You know, I, I did some homework. The, 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 the Hebrew word for glory literally really means heaviness. Right? It means heaviness. It speaks of reputation, of, uh, of importance. The Greek word for glory, it's the word that we find, you know, we may not think about it, doxa. You know, doxa, doxology, doxology, right? You, you know, master wune, master wune, you know, and then we, we sing after the pastoral prayer, doxology, and then what that means, you are... Doxology speaks of this condition of being bright, shining, right? Splendor, radiance. It's a state of being magnificent, greatness, splendor, honor, right? In, in other words, prestige. So you are giving God, you are lifting God, you are giving him, you are putting the spotlight on God, and here's what God says in the text. Jesus says, I've shared that glory with, with, with you all. The glory that the Father has given to him, he has given to us. And we have this because of that unity. 
So then when we have this glory, when, 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 when we are united, the world see this, this, this bright shining light, that radiant light that's on us. And they see, that's, those are Jesus' people. That light, where's that light lately? Whether you are from the right, whether you are from the left, wherever you stand, where is that light? I don't, I'm not seeing it. So glory, it's this, this bedazzling light. It is something weighty. It is something that can be seen. And, and, and so, so when you see this, it's like God is saying this. Jesus said, Father, the glory you have given unto me, I share it with them in unity so that the world will see. That is why unity is important. Do not rob God of his glory by being divided. Because when you rob him of his glory by being divided, you have a world that not only does not claim that Jesus was sent by the Father, but this world does not get to see God's glory reflected through you. It is important. If there is a time the church needs to be united, it is now. The oneness that shines with the self-authenticating glory for the world to see is union with the Father and the Son so that the glory of the Father and the Son are part of our lives. That's what verse 22 says. The glory that you have given me, I have given it to them. That they may be one just as we are one. The ultimate purpose of Christian unity is glory of God. Now think about this. 1 Corinthians 10.31. I, I, I think every time I preach, I mention this verse. Whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, you do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether you vote, whether you don't vote, whether you post on social media, you don't post on social media, whether you talk to people, you don't talk to people. When you are arguing politics with people, when you are arguing social issues with people, when you are arguing medical issues with people, you do it for the glory of God. It's so funny. I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you to do something. Picture two Christians talking right now in the current climate. If the world is listening to us, will they see the bedazzling light of God's glory through the conversation? After you're done with the conversation, can you say, let's pray because we just had a glorifying conversation about God's glory? I am as guilty as, as, as some of you. Like I, I would not dare say all of you. I am as guilty as this. I'm preaching to myself if I'm not preaching to anybody. But see, understand this. Romans 15, 5 and 6 tells us this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and in accord with Christ Jesus that, that together you may be with one voice glorifying the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bottom line is God's glory. I mean, I know, I know, I can, I can say this for certain. There is no spot in heaven that's for the Christian right. There's no spot in heaven for the Christian left. When we all get to heaven, we're going to be praising one God. 
one father because we are one body. So we need to be united. And here's the funniest thing. Somebody always says this. If we can be united here on earth, more than likely one of us or either both of us will make it to heaven. Because there's no way you can say that you've known, you've experienced the love changing of Christ Jesus, and yet you cannot be united. Oftentimes people said only in Christianity that I would be able to sit next to you. That is right. Because in Christ, he saves all from the highs to the lows. And in Christ, there's no greater because only Jesus is greater. In Christ, there's no less than because we are all one. That's why the person who can be very poor right now, the hope that they cling on Christ, as the person who is very wealthy right now, who cling on the same hope, can be rejoicing right now at the same time, even though the, the, the one tomorrow does not know where the meal is coming, while the other one knows that for the rest of their lives, they will never have to worry about where the meal is coming from but because they have the same hope in Christ Jesus. Lastly, and I'm done, not only we see that Jesus going to know, people are going to know that Jesus was sent by the Father, and then his glory will be made known to all of us. But thirdly, when Christians are united, the world sees that Jesus loves his church. Verse 23 says this, Jesus prayed for complete unity, Right? And Jesus prayed for complete unity so that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. He also declares the importance of truth and love in the church. Believers, believers know God's nature and even share in that divine nature. Jesus makes it very clear that truth and love must go together. See, a lot of times, I said this, to all, I said this, you are entitled to your own opinion, not your own facts. Jesus says truth and love, that's part of unity. And we as a church, we need to bear that. He has well said that truth without love is brutality. And this is what we are displaying right now. We are sharing truth while shouting and demeaning each other. From the right, from the, from the right to the left. We are shouting at each other and demeaning each other. Sometimes you don't even know. Sometimes you better off listen to, to, to secular station or, 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 or TV because there seems to be more of civility that comes from those stations. Because what we are doing, we are shouting Love, truth without love, which is brutality, but also a lot of us, what we do, we do love without truth, which is hypocrisy. See, the mind grows by taking in the truth, but the heart grows by giving out love. Knowledge can only lead to pride, and love can only lead, can only lead, uh, um, love alone can only lead to wrong decisions. That that's why I love, I, I love uh, um, Philippians 1, 9 through 10. It talks about Christian, Christian love must not be blind. Christian unity comes with Christian maturity. 
It always has something, it, it, it's, it's always something that we strive to attend. Don't tell me you've been a Christian since 1970-something, 1980-something, and then yet you're not matured enough to understand the importance of unity that you can lead a younger brother, a younger sister, even sometimes when you know what you know, but you said the, the truth in love so that you don't crush them, but you build them up. It's so funny. I mean, watching people talking about politics, watching people talking about everything, especially now with the election not yet called, people are all up, all up in their feelings. All up in their feelings. And then you said, where is the truth in love? You know what the truth is? The Lord reigns. Let me say it again. The truth is, the Lord reigns. And the truth is, he calls us to be together so that they will know that he was sent by the Father. And you know what? He also called us to be together so that the glory that he has shared with us, the world will see it. And then know that he loves his church. So now you said, Pastor Perry, good speech, good sermon. You shouted. You're probably going to lose your voice. No, I won't. You shouted. So now, how do I apply this? I'm glad you asked. See, simple things. Christian unity, Christian unity, if you think on how Christian unity, the application has to be like this. What's its source? What's its origin? We have to think about, we are not united because we go to redemption. We are united because of Jesus Christ. So then we have to remember that what, what Paul says in Ephesians 4.3 the unity of the spirit is the bond of peace. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says this, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether you are Jews or Greek, in other words, whether you are Republican or Democrat, whether you are uh, 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 um, Christian, um, Haitian Christian or American Christian, whether you are slave or free, and we were all made to drinks of, well, drink of one spirit. In other words, I have to think, I have to look at the person and say, okay, you know what? My source of unity with you, my, or, the origin of our unity is not best on whether President Trump is the president or Biden is the president. Our source of unity is best upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we have to look at the, what's the source. So if we're going to talk as Christian, well, let's, let's come around what we are united about. One Lord, one Father, one baptism, one hope, one body. That, see, see it? One Lord, one Father, one baptism, one body. That's around that we are united. So the origin of our unity is not on who's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's based upon Jesus Christ. So then, not only in my application, you have to think about the origin of that unity, but also what's the perspective of that unity? Paul says this, Paul says that, Paul says that pastors and teachers are to equip the saints until we are all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.13, in other words, the unity we pursue is a unity in the truth. Of course, Christian is more than share, more, it, Christian unity is more than just shared truth, but not less. Paul says this, in Philippians 2, 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full, being in full um, accord and of one mind. Everything is to do, everything we, everything we do is to do in accord with Christ. 
May God, may God grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. So my perspective, as well as my origin, has to be rooted in Christ when I'm talking about unity. So then my devotion has to be with Christ when I'm talking about unity. In other words, the devotion that I have to my brothers and sisters in Christ, it has nothing to do with what we voted for. I don't have to rip my head out to try to make you vote like I vote. That would be uniformity. But in unity, we're devoted to one another. If you are hungry, I'm going to feed you. If you are clothless, I'll give you a shirt. If I'm hungry, you're going to feed me. That's the, that's, that's the devotion we devoted to Christ to one another because we are unified. We are unified. That's our devotion. And lastly, we have to have focus. And, and we have to focus like, like a laser beam, like, like a camera, like the way the camera is focusing on me. We have to focus that our unity has nothing to do with what's happening around us. Our unity has to do, be, has, has to do with what Christ has done, so therefore to impact what's happening around us. Right now, it appears that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party has more influence on the church than the Bible has. It appears that what's happening socially has more to do on the church than what the Word of God says. It appears that based on the amount of money that I have, I am more, I'm louder, I'm meaner as a Christian than the Word of God that caused me to focus and to be in love with one another. I'm done. Binds us together. Bind us together, Lord, with cord that cannot be broken. For that unity to take place, it has to start with our family. You know what I said? Can our children testify that mommy and daddy are unified? There's a saying that says, as the church goes, so goes society. And I said this, I'll, go, I'll take it a step further. As the family goes, so goes the church, then so goes society. Our families are not even united. I mean, just think about it. If every single family, I'm talking about mommy and daddy and the children, are united, it will be a different story. Binds us together with court that cannot be broken. Lord, may you bind us together so that we, we will display your love. We will display your purpose. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Why? There's only one king. There's only one body. That's why we sing. Bind us together. He says this, fit for the glory, purchased by his precious son, born with the right to be free. For Jesus, the victory has won. We are the family of God. We are, we, we are the promise divine. We are God's chosen divine. We are the glorious new wine. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. It is my prayer. It is my prayer that we are binded together. And Christ's love, because God called us in unity so that the world will know that God the Father sent him. The world will see his glory through us and will testify of that. And the world will know that he loves his church. It is God's call for us to be in unity. Not by political parties, not by social standing, but that's why we sing bind us together. As the worship team come and sing this song, I pray that 
you begin to ask God in your heart to reveal where that unity needs to be, where the origin of unity needs to come from. The focus of that unity, as well as the perspective of that unity, and that your devotion is to God's unity so that His will, His glory will be revealed on earth. May God bless you.